Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that have hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Aditi, who work in sales and business development across the Asia-Pacific. But first, let's look at some news. So Nick, what are some of the headline numbers and events that happened in the past month? Yeah, thanks Aditi and, and welcome to all of our listeners. Yeah, look, another really hot period of news and developments in the market. It's almost becoming impossible to keep up. Maybe we need to do this every week, but just a couple of key things that have really jumped out. Summarizing the exact volumes of the market is actually quite difficult with different figures coming out at different times. And look, I think rather than going through those all specifically, I think maybe just a few points. Momentum is very strong. First half results for the whole social, sustainability, green markets, sustainable finance have been very strong, linked loans as well, linked bonds. So there's probably not much point in digging into some of those because they're, you know, a couple of weeks old now and it's all generally pretty good news. You know, social has still maintained a fair bit on that structural change we saw last year with much more social related use of proceeds um, getting issued. And possibly the biggest change is just the ongoing growth. You know, Asia's in particular has had huge growth in linked loans and then also sustainability linked bonds. So I think in Q2, uh, was 31 billion. Q1 was a, was about nine, and then um, third and fourth quarter last year, pretty minimal given that the link bond standards have only really come out midway 2020. So that's probably the biggest dynamic and, and shift that's sort of happening in the market. Maybe eating a little bit of of what's called traditionally or or to be labelled specific transition labelled instruments, but that'll come as well on the use of proceeds side. So just really hot market continuing uh, momentum. As I mentioned before, the social side or that structural change still continuing with more social being front and centre. And I think we noted in previous podcasts, the social loan principles were released by the APLMA, LTSA and LMA, if I've got all those acronyms correct, a few uh, a few months ago. And that's really sparked an interest for specific social labelled loans rather than just on the bond side. So we have seen a bit of growth and interest there which is um, which I think is a really good development. And as we've always said on the podcast, the more principles that are around, the more formats it supports, bonds, loans, and other things in between, I think is really healthy uh, for the market. One of the other big things I did note, Aditi, over the last um, few weeks, there was a stack of articles and really good news overall about the EU updated sustainable finance strategy. It's a bit tricky to, to work through all of that, there was the 55, I think, initiatives that have come out. There's a whole range of things. And I think keeping up with exactly what's happening in the EU is a bit of a full-time job at the moment, but we'll try and break down at least a couple of things that were really most front and center and connected to um, sustainable finance. The first was the updated release of the green bond standard. So that had been muted last year and it was pretty similar to what came out last year. As we know, use of proceeds 
if they're connecting or planning on using the green bond standard launched by the EU or will be formally launched at a later period, do need to be connected to the taxonomy. So for everyone to keep up to date about what's happening on the taxonomy, just interesting to note that the taxonomy does have six environmental objectives. The ones that have been socialised the most and legislated for adaptation and mitigation start of um, August. The other drafts for the other environmental objectives have been covered as well. So I think that's pretty early stage. But what it means is just this rolling mall, so to speak, in rugby terms, of developments, different initiatives within the EU keeps going and growing, which is really good to see. Anyway, I've digressed. So the Green Bond Standard, again, we encourage our listeners to check that out. The frameworks have to be more detailed, a bit more prescriptive. Reviews have to be done on allocation um, and a few other points along that. So there's more stipulations of what you need to do. They still are voluntary at the end of the day, but I think that was still the updated post standard, but no huge changes from previous year. But that's probably the main thing that's come out of that. We also did see a whole range of news on the EU Green Deal. So sometimes it's just so much happening in the EU, it's difficult. But I think, you know, that theme of build back better, rebuild green, resilience post-COVID and having as much of that expenditure as green and really using COVID as a catalyst to accelerate more ambitious plans. This is the decade of transition and and other things. Um, I think that's, you know, that's really positive. So what that should mean, I hope for sustainable finance, there'll be a lot more opportunity, a lot more activity in the EU, and that should have a ripple effect to other parts of the world and maybe governments looking at what the EU is doing, saying, yep, that's a great model. Let's copy that. Let's do more of that. Let's regionalize it to their own places. All right, a couple of things, some really good reports that came out over the month. I really like the the bioresources report from the Energy Transition Commission, and I'd highly recommend any of our listeners to check that out. It's one of the best sites I've seen and discovered on reading about transition. They've got things about cement and aviation and a lot about hard-to-abate sectors and really go into detail in practical terms, some great diagrams, great reports. But I really like the, the bioresources one. As we know, biomass bioresources are one of the not the silver bullet, one of the bullets that can be used to accelerate a transition. But the report gives a balanced view. Not all biomass is good. You have to account for or measure the whole life cycle, um, greenhouse gas emissions. You can't just look at the combustion only, how it comes from. Does it impact food production? Does it impact land use change? Does it impact biodiversity? You know, where is this from? Is it certified? You know, there's a whole range of issues around biomass and bioresources. And one of the other interesting points was, you know, how do you compare it if we're we're using some of that biomass to create energy versus the amount of CO2 that that biomass, if it's forests or timber, is actually sequestering from the environment. So a really good read. So check that out. Uh, What else have we got? Uh, The EU released their, their Green Bond framework that had quite a bit on biodiversity, actually. So I really like that. And this biodiversity theme continues to grow or get further legs, as we would say in in some of the Australian terms, just really blossom and and, and grow. And we'll see that really be connected to more and more sustainable finance transactions. And and I think we mentioned a couple of podcasts ago for the listeners who haven't checked it out, TNFD, Task Force for Nature-Based Financial Disclosures, a lot of biodiversity work on that and some new standards and various things coming up. As we look beyond carbon, Carbon's the main game at the moment, but beyond carbon and these other types of impacts and a more holistic picture on uh, on transition is really important. 
All right. And then just to mention a couple of other articles, there's the ongoing articles about ESG washing and greenwashing. Again, in a high growth market, scrutiny is good. So maybe check out um, our listeners, a, a few of those, but there wasn't anything key or, or new. Just be robust, use your banks, use your advisors, come to Sustainalytics, look at what's been done in the market before, use as many good reference points as you can. There's been some articles about Sukuk transactions and the potential of Sukuk or an Islamic financing connected to green. So that'll be great to see how that further develops. A little bit of of debate or ongoing debate about nuclear as well. So seeing both points put forward in the market for that, let's see how that develops. It's still in the IEA's modeling nuclear as a source of renewable energy to some extent, pretty topical. Yeah, I think that'll be an interesting issue, how it bubbles around. Still very difficult to put in sustainable finance for now, but who knows how that will work out. Uh, A couple more. One of them was on this new concept, which is starting to appear around this double materiality concept for corporate disclosures. As we know, GRI and SASB are the largest and most used frameworks for sustainability reporting for corporates. They both are based on materiality. Materiality and their views are slightly different. GRI is more about stakeholder materiality, issues that are important to stakeholders and have a business impact. SASB is more about financial materiality. So I think double materiality about meeting both those things, stakeholders, sustainable developments, another way to to think about it, and also financial materiality. So a concept we're going to be seeing a lot more rather than black or or white or or one or or the other. And a quick shout out to our um, good friends at CBI, the Climate Bond um, Initiative, just powering through with a bunch of new reports and webinars and, and podcasts and all sorts of things they're doing. So just a couple of specific ones, a really good report on the North American Green Bond Sustainable Finance Markets. Check that out. They've done and recently concluded, or it might still be going actually, in a weekly EU taxonomy webinar update series. That's very good and lots of technical absorbable points in that. And also a report they did on the climate aligned bonds report, which basically showed there was billions of dollars that had been issued by companies that's not directly labeled as green or, or otherwise. Um, which would be good if those companies did label those transactions, but actually the markets are bigger than we actually think because there's a whole lot of things happening which is may not be directly labelled. So a packed few weeks overall. Denny, maybe over to you on the green bond side. Any sort of highlights within all the activity that's been happening in the market? Yes, thank you, Nick. So on the green bond side, starting with the sovereigns, we saw the UK government that got a second party opinion recently on their green financing framework, which will hopefully help it to achieve its environmental goals. Moving on to LATAM, Mexico actually raised its uh, second SDG bond, which was a 1.25 billion euro issuance. And this follows the first bond issuance that they did last year in September. So this bond, interestingly, was oversubscribed by two and a half times by investors and saw more than 150 international investors participate in the transaction, which is which is quite interesting to note. In the end, only 60 investors received an allocation in the bond. And then moving to Middle East, Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund has actually asked banks to help it develop an ESG framework. So they're also looking to attract some ESG-focused investors, which is good to see. Lastly, on the sovereign side, the Republic of Benin, which is in West Africa, they debuted with an SDG bond as well, raised 500 million euros, and the use of proceeds 
are tied terrestrial and aquatic biodiversity, sustainable water management, management of living natural resources, and so on. Moving on to banks, we saw in Taiwan, it's a new entrant, Taiwan Shinkong Commercial Bank raised 1 billion Taiwanese dollar from its inaugural green bond issuance. Uh, use of proceeds tied to renewable energy, energy efficiency. Continuing with banks, uh, Santander, which is the Spanish lender, they raised $1 billion from its latest green bond. And then the German bank, NRW Bank, which is the German development bank, also mandated two banks for an upcoming 500 million euro green bond issuance. So this will be launched in the near future. Speaking of second issuance, even um, the Royal Bank of Canada raised $750 million from its second green bond issuance with the use of proceeds tied to sustainable water management, renewable energy, pollution prevention, and so on. We also saw Bank of China in Hong Kong raise RMB-denominated $1.5 billion debt from an offshore dim sum bond, which was tagged as a sustainable and smart living green deal, which is a first in Asia's debt market. It will surely help the mainland meet its ambitious carbon neutrality goals. Moving on to property, Nick, Hong Kong Land signed a $910 million Singapore dollar-denominated sustainability-linked loan. And one thing to highlight here, Nick, is that this SLL is pegged to SORA, which is the Singapore Overnight Rate Average, uh, which is a first. So they've transitioned away from SOAR, which is the swap offer rate and other forward-looking reference rates. So we see transition in this market. A U.S. uh, Starwood Property Trust priced its private offering of 400 million of sustainability bonds. And Redco Properties in China made its offshore RMB-denominated sustainable bond debut, raising RMB 600 million. Another property deal to highlight is in Sweden, which is Kungsleden, that extended a credit facility worth SEK 300 million. So these were the property deals that we saw in the past month. And moving on to other diverse sectors like IT, media. So within IT, we saw Karuna Networks, which issued its first green bond worth 300 million euros. The use of proceeds are tied to renewable energy and aligned with the green bond principles. On the IT side, another interesting deal that we saw was Xiaomi. So Xiaomi is reading for a green finance push as well. They've published their green finance framework under which they intend to raise funds through green loans and green bonds. And the framework is tied to projects such as circular economy, energy efficiency, green buildings, clean transportation. And the SPO was done by Sustainalytics. On the media side, Virgin Media O2 is planning a green bond push after its merger. So they're pushing for a green bond framework. And the proceeds of the bond issued under this framework would be used again on energy efficiency, renewable energy, clean transportation. Another different business model that we saw was on the foundation side. So a California-based nonprofit, Kaiser Foundation Hospital, raised $1.25 billion from its first green bond issuance. The proceeds of this bond will be used for environmentally sustainable construction. So that's a different deal. In aviation, Korean Air plans to issue ESG bonds. And, you know, until now, Nick, in South Korea, what we've seen is ESG bonds have mainly been issued by state-run companies or financial institutions or manufacturing companies. So this is a first of an offering from an airline. In South Africa, Randwater, which is a state-owned African entity and the first of its kind, issued a sustainability-linked debt instrument, which is aligned with the UN targets. The last deal to highlight is a deal done by Renewi, which is an international waste-to-product business, which launched its green bonds for retail investors. So they've offered these bonds to investors in Belgium and Luxembourg. So these were a few of the deals that we saw in the past month. Handing over to you now, anything on the social bonds or loan side that we've seen? 
Yeah, thanks, Aditi. So, very thorough update. I think I think you should be doing the whole podcast. Actually, <laughs> you've uh, some really good uh, knowledge and update shared there. But yeah, very briefly on the as we've talked about already in the podcast, the social bond, social loan, still being much more closer to centre stage um, since last year and maintaining that position and also supported with new principles such as the the social bond principles, which is great. A couple of things just to highlight, the EU through their SAFE program, I can't remember what SAFE stands for, but it's their program for social bonds, which have had massive issuance since last year, has continued. Union Bank issued in social bond format. We also saw Royalty Pharma go to market in a social bond uh, format, developing different types of treatment for underserved diseases. So pretty interesting one there, and I guess pretty topical in the pandemic era where we're living in it at the moment. Ghana, actually, we believe signed a first social loan in, in Africa with Standard Chart. And that was one of the first or probably the first, I think, social labeled social loan in Africa for affordable basic uh, infra. So again, another example of social loan format picking up as well. Prodigy Finance, which is around student loans, also did something on the on the social bond side. And what we'd say for, for some of those categories, student loans to, to take a, a, a close look and, and see how they're put together. There's all sorts of different types of student loans in different uh, different countries, but good to see that one there. We also have uh, seen a bit of action in, in New Zealand, which has some super good companies and initiatives happening there and, um, and Westpac um, working. I'm not going to be able to say this right, so forgive me. Uh, Te Pukenga. So again, I'm sure I've butchered that pronunciation, but again, uh, great to see a uh, um, a social loan coming to market about, I believe, um, education and a few other things. So look, I think that's the, the main thing to say. We've, we've talked already about the ongoing increase of, of social and good to see that it's not just dominated by multilateral development banks. Obviously, they're still pretty key issuers in this space and certainly sovereigns as well, but good to see that broadening out in the market. So that's on that side. And I guess while we're talking about uh, loans, Aditi, just to jump back, there's been some monster uh, monster green and, and other green connected loans done over the last few weeks. Anything that's really jumped out to you? Oh, yes, absolutely. And it's from Australia. So you'll be happy about that. One of the landmark deals to highlight the Royal Adelaide Hospital, which secured Audi 2.2 billion of sustainability loan. It's the largest green loan for a PPP project in Australia to date. So after Canberra Rail in Australia, this is another PPP, which is a really good model going forward. So good to see. Another uh, highlight of this deal is that it's a sustainability loan. So it's a mix of green and social in the global healthcare sector, again, first of its kind. And it is said to be the largest combined green and social loan in the global healthcare sector. So lots of firsts for this deal. The use of proceeds are tied to green buildings and affordable basic infrastructure. Another loan that I'd like to highlight is in uh, Thailand. So RH International, which is part of the Thailand-based firm Ratch, they've issued a $150 million sustainable loan from, uh, they've raised it from the International Finance Corporation, so IFC, to finance new healthcare and renewable energy facilities in Asia. The funding would be used for construction of hospitals in Thailand and also to finance a hydropower project in Indonesia. So those were the two main ones that I wanted to highlight. Nick, how about SLBs? Anything to highlight over the month? 
Oh, SLBs. I think we almost need a new podcast uh, or a separate podcast for SLBs. Uh, Aditi, so yeah, plenty of action. As we say, that's been a significant shift in the market this year in terms of the rapid growth, the rapid interest. I'd say right right around the world now. Maybe Europe a bit faster than some other markets, but certainly where we're based across Asia, lots of interest, lots of conversations and some pretty interesting um, KPIs and targets being considered for, for those as well. A couple of ones to note, San Miguel Industrias. I don't know if that's actually connected to San Miguel Group in the Philippines, which is obviously a big conglomerate. This is actually a Peruvian company, also known as SMI, which is involved in uh, plastic packaging uh, manufacturing um, and looking at, I think, some recycling rates and those type of things. So that's uh, either planned or, or just gone to market. Enel, we know Enel did the groundbreaking first deal even before the, the link bond principles kind of existed. So I think they've now been into the market a few times and they've been updating their framework as they go. So really good one to look at on the utility side. We also noted, whilst not a specific transaction, we also noted a couple of interesting articles talking about sovereigns and whether sovereigns should or could issue in SLB type format or whether they should be going social or green plus another sort of combination. But maybe for sovereigns, There's some really good ways there. And the article that I did see was report calls for Brazilian deforestation linked sovereign bond. So could be a challenging one to do and and measure, but um, let's see how that part of the market develops. There was also A2A group in Italy. Did a, uh, did a bond focusing on GHG emissions. And as we know, GHG and emissions are still the main type of KPI used, different scopes, absolutes, intensity, a whole range. And as we always say to our listeners, science-based target initiative, certainly the FAQ, the sector guidance is a really, really super resource for looking at GHGs and sort of some of the foundational thinking around that. Carrefour proposed or has proposed, I don't know if they've issued um, as uh, as yet, but proposing some link bonds. Sustainalytics has worked with Tesco a few months ago, so also check that out for that particular sector, I believe. In Carrefour's case, looking at KPIs related to you know emissions, tons of, of packaging avoided, uh, food and, and reduction of food waste generated, and, and those type of things which are pretty material to that type of business. Also, pretty wide diversity in the market now with the SLBs. Deutsche Telkom is readying itself for a SLB, and again, KPIs connected to greenhouse gases. There was even a scope three emissions intensity in that. So I haven't looked at the exact scope of how that works. But again, scope three, topical, when you include it, which part you include, how you include it, is it relevant for all companies? An increasingly important consideration to see how scope three should or could fit into uh, some of these deals. A Chinese property developer that we actually worked on, uh, Shuion, so just a a plug for that deal, uh, focusing on scope one and two emissions. So do check that out and, and a really interesting sustainability agenda from that group. Semex, very, very interesting company on the on the cement side, talking about them getting it ready to issue in sustainability bonds. I'm pretty sure it's linked format, but just looking at my notes now, um, maybe that isn't, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, preparing themselves for, uh, for linked bond uh, format. So do check that out. There's been some interesting deals done in the whole cement space over the last 12 months with Wholesome and Lafarge and a few others. So check those out. Thai Union as as well went to market and that was uh, one of the first in the, the fishing industry. We worked on that deal, so check that out. It's in the public domain. 
we really like a couple of the KPIs and particularly the third one, which talked about monitoring equipment on vessels, which promotes and gives a lot more data, which will feed a lot of aspects of Toy Union sustainability plan. So a little bit different in terms of the KPIs there combined with some emissions targets uh, as well, but really good to see some different types of KPIs coming to market. Even if on first sight, you're like, oh, I wonder how that fits in, but the context, the contribution, how it connects to so many other things across a business like that was really good to see. Um, in the forestry sector, Cesano went back to market again. I think they updated some of the targets. They were one of the first to issue last year. So again, good to see customers going back to the market again, like Enel updating some targets issue again, which is great to see. So yeah, that, that would be the highlights that I would note from the last few weeks. Great. Thanks, Nick. Now, as per our usual segment, uh, any questions from the listeners this month? And for the listeners, uh, please remember to write to us at podcast at sustainalytics.com. So over to you, Nick. Yeah, so there's been um, been a couple of tricky ones. So I try and pick the easier questions. <laughs> so maybe I'm a little bit um, a little bit biased, but let's have a look at a couple of those. Maybe the first one is is um, there's been a few interesting articles recently on customers converting loans to SLLs, and it's an innovative idea. It's an interesting idea, and obviously it's probably a redocumentation exercise with the bank or banks involved. And then obviously KPI and targets need to be fine-tuned to the period sort of left on a loan. Um, but I don't see any reason why that can't happen. So the question was sort of like, is that a good idea? How do you do it? Well, it's probably more of a documentation issue and then making sure the tenor left on the loan and the targets and KPI selected you know, need to be robust and, and um, make sure that's specific over that remaining um, tenor. But yeah, interesting to see those. Possibly a little bit more challenging if it was more use of proceeds based, but at least on the on the link side, a bit more flexibility um, there. So interesting question. Geez, there's some tricky ones coming through. Um, this one was about when you're looking at a group for an SLL or an SLB, do you go for targets at subsidiary level or group level? So that's a bit tricky to answer, but I'll have a go. I'd say most of the time what we see is targets at, at group level. There's no harm, I guess, in trying to set up a target at a subsidiary level. If the subsidiary was very, very uh, material to the whole group and represented or was sort of um, ring-fenced somehow. So I guess at group level's probably better. Something like emissions you can gather together across your whole group. But sometimes if it's conglomerates, the business profile is actually quite different. You might have airlines and you might have cement and you might have property. So maybe in those cases where you're really just focusing on a specific part of your group, make sure that the target's applicable um, and really material to that. But overall, probably easier to measure across the whole group or to look at super material issues or parts and, and maybe the, the bigger um, subsidiaries, but I think that's there's a lot to consider in terms of that. But whatever you choose, make sure that it represents a good chunk of the business or represents a good part of the group to, to make sure it makes it makes sense. That's probably not the best technical advice, but a um, a, a tricky question coming through there. Thanks, Nick. We also saw SLLs that grew a lot over the month with a bumper new crop of deals announced. Any in particular you'd like to mention or give give a bit of an overview as to what we are seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So SLLs, again, we probably need a separate podcast for SLLs as well. But look, there's been, in our part of the world, Aditi, super, super strong growth for the first half of this year. Just a couple of meant to mention, um, Contact Energy, uh, Pure Play, Utility Side, did, I think it updated 
um, or did some some more sustainability link loans, which is great to see some some interesting solid transactions happening in the New Zealand market. A global recruiting company, I think Page Group, might be the old Michael Page, but Page Group looking at a uh, at a loan and combining, I think, some different KPIs. Although I couldn't exactly determine what those were from the press releases. Prada, I believe, has gone and done another SLL. Maui, we're sort of talking about fishing before with Thai Union. Maui did a green bond last year. I think it's in Norway. Yes, it is. Um, Norwegian uh, fishing farm. They've done a sustainability-linked uh, facility. So a little bit of a theme there around um, we know how important the oceans are. We know how important seafood is to, to food chains and proteins in many markets. In terms of Maui, let's just have a look. Um, GHG's scope one and two, I think, were... Um, were the main ones, science-based aligned. We also saw Rockwool insulation, construction or construction materials go to market. And I think they were looking at some recycling schemes, some CO2 reduction, and also what sort of is going to landfill. So yeah, slightly different sector there. And another couple more transactions to comment on. Voltalia, I'm sure I'm probably saying that wrong over in uh, France, renewable energy company, actually doing a, an SLL based on a on a rating. So again, like Sustainalytics, we can do those. Many SLLs get done with the, the KPI approach now, but certainly many deals continuing to be done and considered where you use a more holistic assessment through an ESG rating. So interesting, we saw that one as well. Uh, there was a couple more, maybe just the other one to mention was Budweiser Brewing Company, APAC, did a 500 million SLL. Again, that's actually part of AB InBev, who did, I think, one of the biggest that had been done over 10 billion euro facility a couple of months back. So again, good to see these different type of industries coming to market and certainly at size as well. Telefonica movie star, we've seen a little bit more action on the IT, the telco side. So that's great to see as well. And they're probably the highlights from the month. Thanks, Nick. How about on the label products? Anything notable over the month? Yeah, not too much, but I'd say a couple of interesting articles about covered bonds. So again, just another format of bonds, which obviously just higher, generally higher rated or a bit more direct security provided for those and obviously can be done in green or other use of proceeds formats, assuming the assets that they're financing are eligible. A little bit on the on the sukuks we talked about before. So again, the Islamic finance theme, well connected to sustainable finance. We saw an interesting article in, in Pakistan, actually, about a nature performance bond. I haven't got too many details of that, but assuming it's connected to biodiversity type of targets, but that was... Um, yeah, slightly slightly different one there, labelling something there, and also uh, supply chain financing. So as we know, Sustainalytics is now active in rating supply chain, socioeconomic impact, and we're seeing, um, this was Gucci actually, helping suppliers access green loans across its uh, supply chain. So we know that, and we should probably do a detailed podcast episode just on that, um, in addition to what we covered a few months ago. If you haven't checked that out, it should be on our website, an interview I did with one of our senior folks, Nicole, on the sustainable supply chain rating. So do check that out. But I think this is really poised to grow. I've been saying that for a while, but I really do hope that lots more trade-style financings connected to suppliers because these companies, a lot of companies have big influence on supply chain and often supply chain uh, manufacturers or people suppliers are in markets which may not have the best in naturally enabling ESG sustainability type of markets so it's a really important that corporates are showing leadership in that regard so let's see so yeah just those couple of things Aditi on the labeled side that's great how about transition anything of particular note for transition 
Yeah, so transition, I guess we're seeing a lot more sort of SLBs maybe, as I mentioned, eat into that sort of space, but we are seeing some of the use of proceeds transition start to come out. So Sustainalytics actually worked on one for C-SPAN, which was a blue transition framework and C-SPAN are in the shipping industry. So again, use of proceeds connected to different types of things, connected to some new builds uh, on the shipping side, some new initiatives, um, alternative fuels, some different type of things. And the interesting thing, and we just invite our listeners to, to check that opinion out, it also included an assessment on the ICMA Climate Transition Finance Handbook. So check out how we've done that and do check out how we've separated some of the use of proceeds were green in that case and some of them were, were transitions. So a pretty interesting uh, second party opinion and I think we're going to start to see much more of these combinations sort of um, are put together and the ICMA Climate Finance Transition Handbook, I hope I'm getting those words in the right way, used for a lot more um, challenging sectors as an extra piece of analysis. We also had um, NYK in Japan come out with a, a labelled transition bond. Again, I believe it included the ICMA Climate Transition Finance Handbook Assessment um, and then also use of proceeds approach. So we'll let our listeners check that out. But again, a bit of a shipping shipping theme there. We know shipping's hard to abate. We know it's got some challenges. So really good that that industry is really starting to push the boundaries of some of these specific transition labelled items. So yeah, just um, those couple, but really important transactions and reference points in the market. Thanks, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.